Well, good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday. Would you join us? Would you stand as we sing? We celebrate. Say, come all you weary. Come all you weary. Come all you thirsty. Come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water. Come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God, for God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us, whoever believes in him. We'll live forever. Bring all your failures. Bring all your failures. Bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. His open arms for God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. The power, the power of hell, forever defeated. Now it is well, I'm walking in freedom for God so loved. God so loved the world. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, for the wonders of His love. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, for the wonder of His love, His amazing love. For God so loved the world that He gave us, He's one and only Son to save. For God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only power of hell forever defeated now it is well i'm walking in freedom for god so loved god so loved the world bring all your failures bring your addictions come lay them down at the foot of the cross jesus is waiting God so loved the world. Lord, he is risen. He is risen. 
You can do better than that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Welcome to the worship on Resurrection Sunday of Marymount Community Church. If you're visiting with us, we are super excited you are here. If you're watching online, we welcome you uh, into this celebration. And my name is Dennis Beausejour. I'm one of the co-senior pastors here. And uh, my job today is to welcome you. Uh, I'm going to share some news. Uh, then I'm going to pray. Uh, we're going to have Faith come and read the scriptures. The worship team is going to lead us in worship. Jamie, my co-senior pastor, is going to bring the message. Uh, and then we're going to finish uh, with worship and celebration. Today, uh, we also have baptisms. For anybody who wants to be baptized today, uh, we're ready for you over here. We have extra clothing uh, if you didn't plan on that. Uh, but you're going to be hearing a message about the risen, victorious Savior, Jesus Christ. And all those who put their hope in him, their faith in him, will be brought to eternal life. And so you will have that privilege of uh, making that your declaration today uh, for the first time, or if it's something that God's been stirring in your heart, then we're going to give you the opportunity to be baptized. So Psalm 24 says, Who is the King of glory? And we say, Jesus, Yeshua, the victorious Savior, He is the King of glory. So today we're finishing our series called Astonished. We've been looking at the qualities, the attributes of God our, our King. And today we're looking at the victorious God. And Jamie's going to be bringing uh, that message uh, here in a few minutes. Next Sunday, we're starting a new series in the letter of Colossians. Paul's letter to a little church in a little village uh, in now Turkey called Colossae. And in that letter, he spoke about fake news and deceptive philosophies. And it brings an incredibly relevant message for us today as we think about uh, the truth. And this series is going to be called Truth, uh, Grounded in Christ. So we're going to be going through the letter of Colossians verse by verse. Uh, and we're going to have an incredible time together uh, applying that to our lives and lastly, I just want to say that our congregation, this local church, uh, is totally committed to bringing the message of the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to our city, to our country, and to the entire world. And we have 18 partners that we work with to accomplish uh, that goal. And uh, over the past month, we've released... Uh, over $100,000 of gifts to all kinds of different ministry projects, which will impact thousands of lives around the world. But we're also taking up an offering for our missionaries, for our mission partners. We started that last week, and we're going to keep it open till next Sunday. Uh, and if you want to participate in that, we've already reached $27,000. And if you want to participate in that, you can put your offering in the box at the back here on this side of the auditorium on your way out. So let me pray. Father, uh, we thank you for those gathered here today, those gathered online. 
We praise you. We honor you. You are the king of glory. You are the victorious one. And now, Lord, we offer this time and all we will say and do uh, for your glory, Lord, for your worship, for your victorious, awesome son, Jesus, who came for us and who's coming back. And we pray these things in his name, Jesus. Amen. John 1, John 20, 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen laying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to, the, went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Would you guys stand? Sing the moon and stars, they wept. stars they wept moon and stars they wept the morning star was dead the savior of the world was fallen his body on the cross his blood poured out for us the weight of every curse Upon the final breath he gave, the 
walked away the son of god was laid in darkness a battle in the grave a war on death was waged the power of hell forever broken the ground began to shake the stone was rolled away his perfect love could not be overcome. Now, death, where is your sting? Our resurrected King has rendered you defeated. Forever He is glorified. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is our God. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome, we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. 
celebrate what Jesus has done, but we also celebrate that he lives. He's with us today. He will be with us tomorrow. So let's sing this together. We celebrate his presence. Because he lives. Because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. Oh, fear is gone. Because I. Face to 
fear that once held us, the fear that hid us now gives way to him who is our peace, his final breath upon the cross, he's in our life in me, your your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. By your Spirit, by your Spirit I will rise. From the ashes of defeat, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days this bloody bear would not remain our God has robbed the grave our God has robbed the takes time to catch up with that statement. And so, Lord, would that truth sink into our hearts today, that your name, that you, Jesus, our victory, 
Help us to see it. Help us to believe it. We invite you here to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you guys can please have a seat. Let's welcome up Pastor Jamie. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. If you would turn to your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, please. Ephesians chapter 1. Today is the last week in our series called Astonished, where we've been looking at the different attributes of God. And I, I wonder, I wanted to just give an opportunity to just shout out, what have been some aha moments from this series for you? You can just shout it out, and then I'll repeat it to you so everyone can hear. What have been some aha moments as we've looked through the different attributes? Maybe an attribute that really stuck out. Anybody? God's faithfulness. All right. God's love. What else? God's jealousy. God's jealousy, yeah. God's holiness, yeah. God's omniscient, that he knows all things. He is all-knowing. He's eternal. He's patient, yes. God's love. I heard a, I heard a precious voice. He is not easily angered. That's exactly. Anybody else? He's kind. <laughs> Anybody else? That he suffers. He is a God who suffers. The truth of the matter is, we've taken 14 weeks... But really, we could take 1,400 years if we wanted, right? To hold up God and to turn and to gaze upon him. And that's been the goal of this series, is for us to gaze on this God whom we love, whom we serve, to gaze upon him and to be transformed as we look at him. And today, as we finish this series, we're looking at one other turn in the diamond that is God, and that is the truth that God is the victorious God, the victorious God. The passage we're looking at is Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23. The message is in three parts. Part one, I just want to look at three views on the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. This may be helpful for us just to have some categories in our mind. Uh, in some ways, it's almost like taking the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and gazing upon it in three views, similar to what we've been doing with the attributes. Secondly, we're just going to go through the text, verses 15 to 23 of Ephesians 1, and then I want to make some practical applications. And I just want to say this from the outset. Jesus is the victorious God. He is the victorious one. 
And when Jesus came and he announced himself, you know how sometimes, I, some, maybe this is just me, like when I enter a room, I like to pretend that there's some sort of theme song that comes on when I enter the room, you know? When Jesus enters creation and when he enters heaven, uh, earth, he says things like this. This is what he says. <laughs> he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As gentle as Jesus is, he is vicious towards the enemy. And he is vicious towards sin. And he hates sin so much that he breaks its back. That's what Jesus is about. And today, everyone look right at me. Today, Jesus wants to set you free right now. Not, not just what he did in the past and not just what's coming in eternity. Right now, the victorious king wants to set every one of you free. Because many of you are walking in such debilitating fear, Jesus is here and he says, I want to set you free from that right now. You see, the victorious king is not just someone we read about who used to be alive, and he's not just some guy that we hope is coming back. No, he is alive now with us right now, and he wants to set you free. That is what it means that he is the victorious king. Some of you are going to get set free right now. And you're going to go, you know what? I'm getting baptized. I wasn't planning on it, but I'm getting baptized. It's going to happen. And some of you go, oh, I wasn't prepped for that. Like, that kind of scares me. Exactly, right? Exactly. Jesus is awesome. He's super kind. He's super gentle. He's super loving. But he hates sin. And he hates the enemy that oppresses his people. Before I preach that sermon, let's preach the sermon that I've planned. Three views on the crucifixion. Here they are. One, the crucifixion and the resurrection, three views. One deals with forgiveness, one deals with freedom, and one deals with living free and staying free. Three views. Forgiveness, freedom, and living free. When we think about the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, it has to do with forgiveness of sins, being free from sin, and living free from sin. That's what we're going to talk through in this message. So, number one, forgiveness. You see there it says sacrificial substitution. Sacrificial substitution is a view of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus that basically says this, our sin has made us enemies of God. And we, because of this, we deserve wrath, death, and separation from him forever. That is the reality of every single one of us. Has anybody happened to look in the news how awful stuff is? Anybody? Anybody notice that? 
And you know, it's real easy for me or us to look at something and go, ugh, that's so terrible what those people over there are doing. And then we distance ourselves and then we think that we're good because we didn't go kill somebody, right? We talked about this on the holiness attribute. The reason we think we're okay is because we're comparing ourselves with the wrong person. So if I compare myself with someone who shoots up a place, I might think that I'm pretty good. But the problem is, that's the wrong comparison. Every single one of us is not supposed to compare ourselves to some genocidal maniac. We're actually supposed to compare ourselves to the holy God of the universe who has created all things. And he is so holy that even morally pure, heavenly beings cover their face because there is something separate about him. There's something so holy and so pure that even morally perfect beings go, I can't look at that because he's so awesome. But we've actually been deluded into thinking, I'm actually not that bad. I go to church on Easter, right? I'm actually not that bad. Here's, let, let, me, let me give you some good news. Every one of us is rotten, friend. I know you didn't expect to hear that on Easter Sunday. Even good church folks, we're messed up. The truth of the Bible is that we're all in the same boat, which is we've all messed up. When you have a holy God that creates all things, and then you have a creation that rebels against him and does crazy stuff and thinks crazy stuff and says crazy stuff, the Bible tells us that God actually, his wrath is coming for all sin, every single one of us. But what God has done, he says, I want to be with them. I want them to be with me. And so God has actually come into our world. Jesus is God, the second member of the Trinity. And Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived the perfect life that every single one of us is supposed to live and didn't do. And he's nailed to a cross, and he is crucified and killed and takes the punishment for all of our sin. Listen, Jesus on the cross is dying for you. He becomes your sin. He takes it on himself. And here's the passage, 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, God, the perfect one, literally became my sin. Let me say that again. God became my sin and your sin. And on the cross, Jesus is crucified and he takes the wrath and the punishment for your sin and mine onto himself. And he dies in our place as our substitute. And he's buried in the ground. And on the third day, on the third day, at a cellular level, 
the cells in the body of Jesus are reignited by God the Spirit. And Jesus comes out of the tomb and is resurrected. And what that communicates is your sin and my sin has been paid in full by Jesus. Listen, there is no religious system where the founder of that religion says, I'm going to die for the sins of the world and then I'm going to come back on three days later. No religious system has a God who dies as a substitute for the people he has created. Every other religious system other than Christianity says, you better be good and unless you do it the way I want, you're, you're out. Only Christianity has a God who says, you're, you're messed up. And I love you so much, I'm going to take your punishment for you and die for you in your place. And if you will believe in me, you will be resurrected just like me. The resurrection is communicating. Jesus is who he says he is, and he has done what he said he would do, which is he became Jamie's sin. Every rotten thought that I have ever had every hurtful word I've ever said, every lustful thought that has gone through my, my mind, every murderous thought and feeling, Jesus took that punishment for me. And the same is true for each of you. You see, we may say, I'm not a mass murderer, Jamie, like, I don't do anything that bad. Well, Jesus says, you may, hear, you may have heard that it said, don't murder, but I tell you, if you even look at someone and you hate them, you are committing murder in your heart and you're guilty of the law. <laughs> that means when I look at someone that I disagree with politically and I say, I hate what they're doing, I've committed murder in the eyes of God. Did you know that? So God has come. This is why we celebrate resurrection. Because God has come to die in our place as our substitute, as a sacrifice for us. And then he was raised on the third day to declare to all the world your sin has been paid, the debt has been paid in full. So I just want to ask you today, have you been forgiven of your sin? And have you received forgiveness by faith in Jesus? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one gets to God except through Jesus. So I want to ask you, have you been forgiven today? Have you had your sins exchanged for Jesus' righteousness at the cross? Have you said, Jesus... I'm really messed up and I receive your forgiveness and I will follow you. Have you said that? At the end of the service, we're going to have a prayer team over here. I'm going to invite people to go and have a conversation with some of our elders to discuss that. Second view of the crucifixion and resurrection is Christus Victor. Christus Victor. And the focus of this view of the crucifixion and resurrection is on Jesus' victory over Satan, sin, and death. So whereas the first view really is, is very personal in its 
uh, what it's looking at. The second view is actually looking globally and cosmically. That not only was Jesus dying as a substitute for my sin and for your sin, but he was also bringing freedom from Satan, evil, and death itself. That all of creation is enslaved and bound in sin. Here's the passage. 1 Corinthians 15. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Satan and all the demonic realm didn't really know what was happening when they encouraged the crucifixion of Jesus. Did you know that the Bible actually tells us that? <laughs> they actually didn't know. The Bible says that none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> did you know that the enemy, Satan himself, did not know <laughs> Otherwise, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. Because see, in the crucifixion of Jesus, listen, Jesus, when he is resurrected, he breaks the back of Satan. He literally breaks the back of sin and death. <laughs> You're like, okay, I, I didn't know that that was true. Here's Luke 11, 21 to 22. Jesus is healing a man who's mute. The Bible says that the muteness of this, of this boy, actually, was due to a demonic force. So it was a physical manifestation of sickness, but the ground of it was actually demonic. And he heals this person, and the Jews are a little bit concerned about it, and they're like, what, what's this about? And then Jesus says this, listen. He says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him, and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted, and he divides his spoil. Jesus says, listen, Satan is the strong man, and earth right now is his palace, is his domain. And he's doing whatever he wants to do. That's why we see war and craziness everywhere. <laughs> and Jesus says, but when a stronger man comes, he overtakes him, and he takes his armor, and he takes his spoils. What's Jesus talking about? How has he overcome the enemy? Dying on the cross. He has overcome the enemy. And he has literally taken away the power that Satan has over your life. And he has plundered you and I by faith in Christ from the enemy himself. This is the passage, Colossians 1, 13 to 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 2, and you who were dead in your press, trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Listen, Jesus on the cross dying defangs the serpent. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This morning. The power of the enemy over your life is broken 
by the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus for you. He defangs the enemy in your life. But if you are not in Christ, guess what? You are in the domain of darkness. That's what the Bible says. And you are bound. You are bound. There is a revival happening down in North Georgia. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's been going on for three straight years. On Sunday nights, in a little church in a little nothing town outside of Atlanta, people are being baptized in the water and being set free. <laughs> it's been happening for three years every Sunday night. And it's a manifestation of what God has done to set us free. And things like a mom who steps into the water and says, I have loved meth more than I have loved my kids for my entire life. And she goes into the water and she is baptized and she comes out and she begins to weep and to thank Jesus that she has been set free of that addiction. And then there's been follow-up. Or the Georgia representative whose wife was filled with over a hundred lesions of cancer all throughout her body. Medically verified, scans of her body, heard about the North Georgia revival, heard about what God was doing in the baptismal waters, tells her representative husband who works for the state of Georgia, says, we're going. She goes down there, goes into the water, comes out. She has a test Tuesday of the next week. So that's on Sunday. Tuesday, she has a test. They do the scan. There are no lesions of cancer in her body at all because she's set free. Or the boy named Reed who heard, whose mom heard about the revival and whose left eye was legally blind. It was 20 by 2300 or something crazy like that. Gets into the water, cannot see from his left eye, is baptized, comes out of the water. I watched the video of it. You can watch it. I watched the video of it. This kid comes out of the water, you know, rubs his eyes because of the water, and then you can see him go, and then you can see his chest start to pant because this child has never seen from his left eye and his chest starts to pant and he starts getting and he goes I can see I can see and everybody in the water is like Jesus is here to set the captives free and to give sight to the blind are y'all hearing what I'm saying and sometimes I'm gonna be honest sometimes we are blinded not just physically but spiritually from the glory of Jesus because we are so saturated with the things of this world that we actually can't pierce through that thing to see who Jesus is. And what's the scariest thing about it is some of us don't think we're bound, but we are. Sometimes we think, well, my explosive anger is just because I'm super passionate. No, no, you're bound in sin, and Jesus wants to set you free. Or I'm, I'm consumed by worry and anxiety, but that's just because I'm a really conscientious person. No, no, you are bound, and Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. Third and final view, the model example view. The focus of this view is that Jesus is a model of love and he is a model of what living free looks like at the cross. 
that his death on the cross and his resurrection is an example of how we are to live. And we can continue to walk in resurrection freedom as we follow this humble and obedient example of Jesus. Here's the passage, Luke 9, 23 to 25. And he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Let me just be real honest. When we read a passage like that, if we're actually looking at the text, that sounds super counterintuitive, right, friends? Hey, take up your cross and die, then you'll be alive. Does anyone see that's what the text says, right? It's just me. <laughs> it's actually counterintuitive. Let me just say something to you. What we think is restrictive of us, namely the rules of God, are actually there to bring freedom. And what we think is freedom, my subjective understanding of what is good for me, is actually enslaving. Let me say that again, just to make sure that you got what I'm saying. When I think I'm free to do whatever I want to do, and it's just this subjective truth, I'm just going to step into whatever I want to step into, that is actually enslaving to us. It's when we actually say, God has created me a certain way, and I'm actually going to follow him that I actually experience freedom. That's what Jesus is saying. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say Caden, who's working cameras back there, let's say Caden comes up to me, and I give him a soccer ball. I think I've shared this uh, analogy before, but I'm going to share it again. Let's say he brings a soccer ball to me, or I give him a soccer ball, let's say, and he gets the soccer ball, and he looks over, and he sees this area that's like really cool. It's like a really cool turf. He says, hey, Dad, I want to take this soccer ball, and I want to go play over this turf. And I look over there, and I go, no, you're not doing that. You're not going to do that. And Cain goes, whoa, Dad, whoa, that's super restrictive, Dad. Like, you're taking away my freedom, Dad. You don't love me, and I don't like your rules, because I should be free to do what I want to do. I say, son, you're not going over there, because you'll die. No, Dad, that's not true. No, I'm free, and I'm looking over there. It looks just fine. I want to do what I want to do. I say, son, actually, this is what I want you to do. I've actually purchased an entire Olympic-size soccer field for you right here. <laughs> and actually, it's five acres of soccer field. You can play in it. Go for it. Have it. Do what you want to do. But like, there's like a little gate that I need you to go through. He goes, whoa, Dad, it's super restrictive. I want to go on this massive turf that's what I want to be on, and it feels really restrictive to go through this little thing over here and this thing that you've created for me. I don't think that's right. And you as a parent might actually say, Jamie, it seems a little bit, you're a little bit, kind of bad parenting. Like, if it's a cool turf, just let them play. But we don't realize that that's actually a, a racetrack. There's about to be a, 100 NASCARs flying down that turf, and he doesn't realize that it's going to kill him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so when I look at something and I go, you know what, I'm just going to do this, take this, be with this person, do this thing, it's actually enslaved, it's actually bringing death to me, not life. It's counterintuitive. When we follow what Jesus says, it actually brings life, it brings openness to us. And we are blinded to this reality. That's why when you find yourself doing what you want to do, and then you get into this cycle where I have to do that again, and I have to do it again to, to fill up this thing in my heart. Then I gotta do it again. And I gotta do it more intense now because it's, it's leaving me crashing in my heart. 
that thing right there, and, we, and by the way, every single one of you in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. This right here, I think it's gonna bring freedom, but then it crashes in my heart, and then I have to do it again, and then I gotta find something else that will make me feel better, and then I gotta find something else that'll make me feel better. None of that works, and God is saying, don't do that. <laughs> Follow what I'm telling you to do. I will bring freedom to you. So this is how it works. We're to consider ourselves dead to sin because of the resurrection. Paul says, consider yourself dead to sin because that sin died with Jesus. Can you imagine if, if my sin was buried in the ground with Jesus and he's resurrected, my sin stayed there, right? Can you imagine if I go up to a grave and I'm trying to dig up this old Jamie with old behaviors, you know what I'm saying? And try to animate him? The Bible says we're supposed to consider ourselves dead to this. That there is no power over us, this sin, this behavior. So you can have a fresh start. All of that power is found in this passage. I'm just going to read the passage and then we're going to pray. Here's the passage, Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. Listen to the power of the resurrection. Paul says, for this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. He goes, I do not cease praying for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness? Everybody say immeasurable. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ. So he's saying, I want you to know this immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe. According to the working of his great might. And he says... And this power is what he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That passage just said that Paul is praying for the Ephesian church, that they would actually receive the Spirit of God, that they would understand what God has done in the past, the hope to which he's been called, that they'll understand the future, the riches of your inheritance, the future, and the present, that you would know the immeasurable greatness of his power in your present. And that same power is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. But let me just say this. By faith in Christ, we receive resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead literally dwells within us. This victorious God has taken the same power that raised Jesus from the dead when he bought and died for the sins of the world. That same power raised Jesus from the dead. Cosmic... <laughs> It raised Jesus who just purchased and broke the back of cosmic sin and death. That same power dwells within us. The same power that resurrected Jesus who broke the back of death 
right? Dwells within us. And to the degree that I understand that, I can walk in that kind of freedom. So let me just ask you, are you praying to understand this victorious God in your life? Because Paul says, I never stop praying for you. Which tells me that we are easily blinded from the glorious, victorious God in our life. Right? Because these are believers that he's I don't stop praying that you'll, the eyes of your heart will be open to the victorious God in your life, which tells me that if I'm not praying for myself and for you all, we will be regularly blinded from this reality. And we will think about Jesus, eh, not that big a deal. Are y'all hearing me? Without praying for each other, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking family right now, MCC family. Did you know that when we don't pray for each other without ceasing to have our eyes opened to the glorious, victorious king, when we don't pray for each other, literally we are becoming blinded to the glory of Jesus. And Paul says, I don't cease. I don't cease praying for you that you would be set free. So application. Number one, have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven? Have your sins been exchanged for Jesus' righteousness? Number two, have you received freedom? <laughs> have you received freedom? Many of us are walking around bound in certain things and we don't even realize it. The question is, have you received freedom in that area? Or is there an area that needs to receive freedom today? In that same North Georgia revival, it's not just happening in North Georgia. These, this revival is happening in other places. They're going up north, they're going south, they're going west. They went to Sulphur Springs, Texas, which I was particularly interested in when I heard this story. Went to Sulphur Springs, Texas. Went to a little church of 80 people. 150 people showed up, got baptized. People were set free of all kinds of things. The prison warden heard about it. When this pastor and his group came back, the prison warden brought a bunch of prisoners to be baptized and set free. One of the prisoners, can't remember his name exactly, so I don't, I don't want to say it wrong. One of the prisoners was a white supremacist with teardrops on his eye. It was a white supremacist walked into the tank, <laughs> was baptized, came out of the water, and confessed racism <laughs> and his hatred for black people. Another man from that same prison that was also baptized was an African-American man. He was set free, I don't remember from what. They go back into the prison, this white supremacist and this black man who have been set free by God are embracing one another confessing their mutual hatred of one another previously. Then they plant a church in the prison in Sulphur Springs, Texas, a white, former white supremacist and a black man plant a church in this prison. Then the African-American man gets out of prison and he starts ministering. Well, the white supremacist has got a little bit more time, but they've had a discussion. When the white supremacist gets out, they're going to plant a church together. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? 
See, Jesus wants to set people free. And listen, all kinds of, all kinds of policies are not going to work. Jesus needs to set our nation free. Jesus needs to set people free, is what I'm saying. And he wants to set you free. I'm going to invite the band up. Some of you in here need to receive forgiveness today. <laughs> As you've been hearing me talk, you're like, I need this Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to have a prayer team sitting over there in that corner. I'm going to invite you to come and come talk to them. And if you need prayer about anything else as well, you can come talk to them. If, as you've been listening to me, you're like, I've got some stuff in my life that I need to be set free from. I'm going to invite you to go out to the lobby, get changed, we've got to change the clothes, and come be baptized. That's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you are bound, I'm going to invite you to come get set free by Jesus. And if you're not sure, I'm going to invite you to ask Jesus this simple question. It's a super easy question. This is it. You ready? It's like super theological. Like I went to years of training to be able to come up with this question. You ready? Here's the question. Jesus, am I blinded to any sin that I'm bound by right now? Listen, everybody in the room needs to do something. Maybe you know exactly what, what that thing is and you need to receive prayer. Then come get prayer. But if you're like, I'm, I'm actually pretty good. It's Easter. <laughs> I got a honey-baked ham waiting for me. I'm good. Y'all eat honey-baked ham up here, right? Okay. Is that just a Texas thing? Y'all good? Okay. Oh, yeah, we got salmon in between services. Forgot about that. But you may be thinking to yourself, I'm good. Okay, then just ask him. Say, Jesus, is there anything that I'm blinded by right now that has actually bound me? And ask him to set you free. And here's the deal. Once he sets you free, you gotta stay free, right? That's why we have family. That's why we walk together. We read scripture together. We encourage one another to stay free from the things that bind us. The victorious God is here this morning. He's here to set you free. Let's stand as I pray. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will come right now. I pray for my brothers and sisters, for everyone listening to me with thanksgiving. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would bring wisdom and revelation. That everyone listening to my voice would have the eyes of their hearts opened now, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you come Show us those places that need to be surrendered to you. Jesus, we honor you here in this place. You are the victorious one. You have died for us. 
in our place. You were raised for us on the third day. And my sin and the sin of the world was transferred to you. And by faith, you are willing to hand us righteousness and perfection and holiness. So we honor you, Jesus. And God the Father, we say thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that even though we were blinded and we were enemies of yours and we were hard-hearted and stiff-necked towards you, even when we were your enemy, you came in love to die for us. And you sent Jesus for us. And I ask Jesus, would you set your people free this morning? Would you open blind eyes? Would you set the captives free? I command every work of the enemy right now, I command you to cease what you're doing and leave in Jesus' name. command fear to leave in Jesus name command a spirit of control to leave right now in Jesus name As we worship, I invite you to get prayer, come to the water, or even where you're at, to ask him, what do I need to be set free from this morning? Let's enter into a time of prayer and worship.
Jesus, Jesus, 
silence Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus,
You are the only one who can bring lasting peace. And you are the only one who can bring sustainable joy. And you are the only one who can navigate death because you have swallowed it up. I bless you this week with freedom. I bless you this week that if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And I bless you this week that if the accuser whispers in your ear that you will resist him you will follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come and seal this truth in our minds and in our hearts? And Jesus, we tell you, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for living for us. Thank you for dying for us. And thank you that you did not stay dead and that our sin stayed in the ground. And our brokenness is buried deep in a tomb. And that we can walk with you. So we honor you, Jesus. And we tell you, thank you. Make us free people. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're glad that you are here. Chef has made some salmon bagel snacks for us in the porch area. If you still need prayer, you can stay here. We'll pray for you. But if you want some snacks, it's out in the lobby area. I bless you. Be at peace. You are dismissed.